This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. It's another episode of Magic City Soccer for you. Coming to you tonight, uh, our first episode of 2020. Uh, happy to have you along. Happy New Year. Happy holidays uh, for those of you who would still be celebrating or whatever holiday you happen to be celebrating. Um, good show for us tonight. A lot to talk about. It's been a very busy period of soccer news in South Florida. Uh, first off, let's welcome Drew Hausman to the show. Let me try to uh, enunciate Drew Hausman. How you doing, Drew? I'm doing great. I guess I got fired from doing the intro, but uh, happy Three Kings Day. Uh, yes, absolutely. Good for you. Um, <laughs> good, good job. Up on his uh, Catholic feast days. Uh, Lee, you fans. Lee, how you doing, pal? Very, very well. Happy Orthodox Christmas to all our Russian listeners. Ooh. There you go. I don't <laughs> have cuts. any fancy. I think it, I think the the NPSL of uh, Christmas holidays. <laughs> we just passed um, National Spaghetti Day over the weekend, so I'll go with that. I guess that's. Pretty cool. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on to actual uh, business at hand. Um, a lot of news to discuss as as we glued uh, in on, and a piece of news that we had been waiting on for weeks, months years you could argue um inter miami as a coach uh diego alonso uh most recently late of monterey um joining inter miami joining the mls project here in miami or as some will be uh, very careful to argue fort lauderdale um alonso coming in has a pretty good resume here in the confederation a two-time concacaf champions league winner he's won the league uh uh, twice in Mexico with, with two different teams and won the Champions League uh, twice with two different teams. The only coach to have done that. Um, an interesting hire for Miami FC. Uh, for Miami FC, bite my tongue. It's, that's going to happen a lot oh, more dude. now that these teams are actually like, both teams have news. Generally, Miami has been like, well, we'll see. We actually have hard news now. Um, anyway, Alonso is in. We are two months away from formal competitive play for inter miami we're probably a month away from uh preseason training hasn't started yet but we do have a manager in for this club uh what do you guys think of the hire uh let's start with lee i think it's a good pickup um i think the names that were sort of bandied around you know when you sat down and looked at it marcelo gallardo was never going to come to inter miami he's, he's got his pick of his jobs in europe he's just waiting for the right opportunity isn't he um and I think someone like Vieira would, you know, it's not the sort of guy you need coming in. And then, you know, it came out of nowhere. Here's Diego Alonso. And he's been around the block. He had a good playing career, international caps. And, uh, you know, he's, um, he's had some success managing in Mexico. And I think that that's probably going to put him in a good position to hit the ground running with, uh, with, this, with this new franchise. Um, I think it's as, as good as they probably could have done. I couldn't tell you much about his style of play or nothing like that, but just looking at the basics here, he's a good, solid uh, manager to get you up and running. I think they've done well. 
Yeah, I, th I think he's kind of a, a good manager with what we've seen on the signing so far. It seems like there's a lot of uh, South American players, uh, specifically Argentinian. Uh, I think there's maybe some Uruguayans in there too. Um, kind of an, haven't been keeping track, but uh, you know, he's a good choice. I think everybody kind of had their uh, hopes set up high where they wanted, uh, you know, Premier League or La Liga manager, but uh, realistically, I don't think that was ever going to happen. So he's a good signing. Uh, I will say I am impressed he did coach in Paraguay in 2014 with Olympia. So uh, Paraguayans seem to win MLS stuff. So <laughs> Our Paraguayan correspondent, Drew Hausman, uh, jumping in there with the, uh, the Paraguayan analysis. Um, yeah, I think that I think there's going to be a trend with this team. And, and my whole thing is always to like look at the macro, to look at the bigger picture here. I think there are two competing like thought processes that are going to go along that have been going along with this club and are going to be going along with this club. One is make a good MLS team, which is every MLS team's goal, obviously, to put together a team with a manager, with a general manager, with everything built top to bottom to be as competitive for the MLS Cup as possible. That's the obvious logical goal. There is this second thread, though, and the second thread is to be, which is something that is, it's not just something that fans want, it's something that is espoused by, has been espoused by ownership for half a decade now, which is to be this global brand, to be this team that's bigger than the league, to be the entree into South America um, for MLS, basically, and to basically be bigger than an Atlanta worldwide or a Seattle worldwide, not necessarily within the United States, but internationally. And I think at some point, I think ownership is realizing that balancing these two goals are not, they're not necessarily always in lockstep with one another. We've seen MLS sides get big names and it not really shake out in terms of competitive nature. And we've seen, as Paul McDonough saw in Atlanta, that you can grow pretty big names in the United States through your club and be very competitive. And so I, I'm very interested to see, particularly as we look at the final two DP spots being filled, to what degree is goal one, winning MLS, and goal two, being this big name club, quote unquote, how are they going to be balanced? And I think the, the managerial selection, to me, says a lot for point one. And it does not necessarily say a lot for point two. Diego Alonso has won things. And, Jorge Massa said, you were looking for a manager that has won things, and that is definitely on the resume. And I think in terms of, you know, across MLS, you're seeing an increase in the quality of management and bringing Diego Alonso across the border, up from Mexico into the United States, I think reflects an increase of quality um, for the league, which is a good thing. But it's not this big name that people had been bandying about. And at some point, and this is of some fault of Inter Miami LC, of some fault of ownership, not not nearly all fault, but at some point you're going to have to hit that level of expectation at least once. And management may have been the opportunity for them to do that, to really gone above and beyond. Because you don't have to worry about TAM and GAM and all the other financial qualifications for that. You just got to splash the cash and get someone who would be interested in coming. And again, Going for that Premier League name or that La Liga name could be very aspirational. But 
at some point, if you don't hit that kind of high international recognizable name on the management or on the field, even if the team is great, there's still going to be this kind of pang, this absence, uh, uh, I think, among some of the fan base that like, well, what is the goal of the club? To me, that's interesting. And it's not saying a single negative thing about Diego Alonso uh, because, again, he's got the goods. I think any club in MLS would be happy to have a manager that's won the CONCACAF Champions League twice. Like, that's awesome. But I am interested to see, particularly with, as they close out here, player acquisition as the window is open for the next three weeks and they may look to bring in a player now or in the summer, to what degree do they target goal two? Yeah, I, th- I think maybe they have a, a secret DP or a signing that we don't know about. There's still a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, basically this whole time everybody's been theorizing of who they're going to sign and, you know, it's kind of... I feel like they've gotten great players, but on a marquee level, it's been a bit lackluster. Um, but what what's interesting is what you mentioned is the CONCACAF Champions League, which kind of MLS has always kind of taken a, a, a second seat to or not really prioritized. So uh, an interesting thing about this team is maybe to, to put it in Miami FC uh, fan perspective is how Miami FC focuses on the U.S. Open Cup. Maybe this can kind of be a focus of uh, inner Miami is where they're taking the CONCACAF Champions League more seriously or kind of to see what leash the manager has with ownership and to see how they let him perform in that tournament. Uh, you know, obviously they have to qualify it for everything, but this would seem like the right manager for it and make it more of a, a an inter- international or American club. But uh, yeah, like you were saying, I, I agree that he's a uh, good manager for the team. But uh, as I said before, I think people were expecting a little more splash. But I think I think there's still a couple cards that are hidden that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I, th- I think going going on from this like high profile thing, like yeah, he's not a high, pro- high profile name. But I th- and I've seen a little bit around of people like when is this big name that's going to be attached to the club going to come? And I think at this point. You're probably going to have to wait for the uh, the summer transfers until someone big to come over from Europe. And if the club have accepted that, then you, you've just got to start decent and get into the playoffs, haven't you? And this coach can definitely do that. Um, and then you know it's been baby step and baby step and baby step with this franchise so far. And the big the a big name will come here at the moment it's miami and you know they do have the dp slots to just go and fire that like blank check and sooner or later one of these big names is going to say yeah okay i fancy like living in miami for a couple of years living a high life down here um i think that probably the big name is going to come from a player at some point if you're a coach if you're a really good coach i hate to say it you're not really going to want to come and manage an mls with the constrictive rules about wage you know wages and what you can spend and can't spend but you know if you're a coach who maybe needs a second chance or another chance and you know Alonso was fired from Monterey and they weren't doing particularly well so it's got a little point to prove so uh, yeah it seems like a good match but that big name I think will come later I just think my, my point with that Lee is I agree that a manager under normal circumstances uh, that could be chasing a job in England or Spain wouldn't come to MLS. Um, I, I do think, and, and again, the reason I think this is because the club has kind of made a point of emphasizing this, this is not a normal MLS club. There are other factors at play here in terms of 
profile that could be offered by participating in it, things like that, that you would assume, plus, again, make it worth his while. That could have made it a little bit different. If the goal is simply make the best club and win MLS and look at CONCACAF Champions League, probably a great hire. But as as we just illustrated, getting players into MLS with the DP and all the, the math you kind of have to do, it, it's not certainly not impossible. It's been done. There are these big names. But sometimes when you get these big names, it comes at the expense of being competitive on the field. You know, uh, be, be, bringing in the big DP has really not worked out for very many sides besides LA Galaxy. Um, so it, it seemed to me as, as an opportunity that if you were, say, hey, we're going to get Paul McDonough and we're going to make a kick-ass team and we're going to do it that way, the Atlanta style, where we may not be bringing in all these high-profile older players, that's cool. But it, then there was kind of a free card to play. Or, oh, we'll go over the top on management and get – uh, an attractive name in there. That, that was my only point. Again, I think Diego Alonso will do a good job. And I think in terms of trying to get that high-profile uh, player in the summer, perhaps, yeah, you want a guy that can then hang, keep it hanging from March until June or July when you'd be able to get that player in. I, I'm just interested to see the, the, the club's uh, mindset. And as Drew alluded to, do they have this player up their sleeve, um, which is totally possible, but... Of course, we've spent the last two, three years talking about, do they have a manager up their sleeve? Do, you know, it's like, at some point, you run out of sleeves. Where well, gonna Matt, Matt, I, I got to jump in. two on a jacket. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> I, I got to jump in there, and, and, and you make good points. I disagree slightly here and there. I, you know, I think with an MLS, the MLS is set up for parity, so the teams are, like, pretty similar. Um, and ultimately, the, the regular season isn't that important, is it? Let's be honest here. If you, you either make the playoffs or you don't. And uh, the point that the Inter Miami fans are making to the Mickey Mouse team up the I ninety five is they've never made the playoffs. It doesn't matter. Like um, if a, if you bring in a DP and you have to sacrifice a bit of performance, if you can get you into the playoffs, that's all that matters. And then you have the commercial aspect, which is such a big factor around here. And you know you brought up Atlanta United. Atlanta United was a perfect storm. Down here, there's still things that aren't perfect about this package. The team's playing Fort Lauderdale. There's ifs and buts about will they ever play in uh, Miami? Will it be the 32nd of never February in 2020-2020? We don't know. <laughs> so uh, you're right in everything you say, Matt, but at some point this team will need a figurehead and it isn't Diego Alonso. He's going to be a good coach, I think, but they will have to use that Miami factor to bring in a DP. Like you say, sometimes the teams that are more well-rounded do better, but the fans of this team have signed up for something and they will require the, a player of stature to pull on a jersey sooner rather than later. And I think that Miami can afford to do that because they just need to make it into the playoffs. Playoffs of the first season is the jackpot for them. And if they do it with David Silva pulling the strings in midfield, they're on the right track. Of course, yeah. There is the... You get one big name in this whole conversation goes away. The whole conversation goes away. But right now, again, as Drew alluded to, you've built so far, like looking at it from just a purely competitive soccer perspective, I think they've made a lot of good moves. They've gotten uh -huh. some local guys yeah. in, some local kids in. They they have built a, a youth academy utilizing parts that are already accessible around South Florida. They've, they've done a lot of things the right way. 
But as you said, the commercial aspect of it is going to be important in Miami. And I'm, I, I'm just very curious to see, again, w- when does that shoe drop? Because if it doesn't within the first year, there's going to be a huge problem. And it's a problem that no other team in MLS would really have to deal with because that expectation isn't there for them. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to see. Diego Alonso has quite a unique job now because it's not just managing an MLS team. It is being a a face of this high-profile position, perhaps, and do all the, uh, you know, consequences that will come from that so back one more point real quick on alonso um also he was a striker and um i think that he might get away with a few bad results if the if they're playing entertaining football and if he's a striker and he brings some attacking philosophies with him yeah that might be a good thing too you know i saw in the in this Concacaf champions league they sort of uh they had a couple of big scoring games um and he kept it reasonably tight at the back so the, the style of football, maybe maybe Paul McDonough, who you know, I, I got to give him his credit. He knows what he's doing. If if uh, if Diego Alonso said I want to play attractive attacking football, it's probably been a factor as well. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think playing style and mentality is another really big factor. Uh, you know, uh, nil nil draws are not going to play well here. Uh, we, there needs to be some. <laughs> there needs to be some panache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which. Uh, moving on to a, another club that has a, a managerial change but is the most stable soccer team in South Florida right now, I would say, is the Miami FC. Um, you, you know the leadership uh, in charge of it. There is a change, but it's, it's a change within the existing structure, uh, you know, basically promotions up the ladder. Uh, we're, of course, speaking of Miami FC. Uh, Miami FC uh, shared uh, this week uh, its first two usl championship games um the full schedule correct me if i'm wrong gentlemen is going to be released next week or is it later this month i expect monday matthew monday next week okay so keep that in uh in mind Uh, but the first two games everyone's home game basically uh was released miami fc is going to start on the road they're going to play in st louis and then they are coming home to face a familiar foe. It's just, it's natural. <laughs> it's as right as rain. The Miami FC hosting Tampa Bay Rowdies, 7.45 p.m. on Friday, March 13th. What's interesting about that date is that Inter-Miami's home debut is on Saturday, March 14th against LA Galaxy. Gentlemen, we're going to have, uh, I believe as uh, now general manager Paul Douglas referred to it as a football fiesta in South Florida. With Miami playing in Miami, with my the Miami FC playing at Ricardo Silva Stadium in, in Miami Dade County, um, to me this is a very interesting decision because this is a decision that's not just made by the club; it's a decision made by the league because schedules need to go through the league as well. What do you take from this game being scheduled on this day, uh, and what do you take uh, of Miami FC getting a chance to go at Tampa Bay right off the bat? Well, I think I'll jump in there. So I think I just beat Drew to the punch. Um, <laughs> I was taking a breath in. <laughs> I never breathe. No, I, I think Friday, that the Friday night games make sense on so many levels. And we did touch upon it on previous podcasts. But, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any sort of intent there to have got in for this 2020 season opener before uh, into Miami. I think it's just, I think it's a happy accident, really. It's... 
it's going to be a great weekend if you are a neutral and you're one of these people who genuinely is going to support all Miami teams and will actually do it. You got two <laughs> good games back to back. But you know, Friday night. I mean, what's the point in having games on Saturday when you're going up against college football in Miami? Goodness knows what else. Um, and then with the rowdies factor, I think it's an excellent way to get a you know a barometer, a reading quickly of uh, of how well we'll adapt to life in the USL Championship. Um, Tampa Bay, maybe not the best team in the league, but certainly very good. Um, you know they've made the playoffs last season, if I remember correctly, and we've always had good games against them. They've always been close. Like we have the slight upper hand because it's been two draws and we won one. But it's always been pretty close. So if we come out of that game, win, lose or draw, and it's been a close game, that's going to be a pretty good confidence boost. And especially if we can rattle off a win against our what will now be our nearest neighbours um, straight away, then that will be a very big confidence boost. And uh, Nelson Vargas is going to come in, new coach, and uh, he's got work to do in the first two weeks. A tricky little trip away. And then the Tampa Bay Rowdies at home. And... Uh, you know, he's he's going to want to make an impression early on, and I hope he does. Yeah, I think St. Louis away is going to be a, a pretty big game for Miami FC. Uh, I guess we'll get into it later, but, the you know, our roster still isn't completely ironed out. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the league the league is no dummies, you know. They, they scheduled the Rowdies away for Miami FC at home, I think, kind of to throw them a bone, give them a little boost, uh, maybe start some sort of local rivalry or get it renewed. Uh, they probably looked at it and saw it was, you know, kind of like an NASL reboot to try to get people back to Ricardo. But uh, it's it's one of the things I enjoy where I'm like, oh, man, you, you couldn't have made a better scenario, you know? Oh, true. <laughs> tell, the whole, tell the whole story, true. What day is no. that? <laughs> <laughs> it's Drew's well, birthday that day. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's... it's such a great game. And I know, I know all uh, Ralph's Mob and all the Rowdies guys and unused subs are going to come down. So, you know. It's not Skyway like Casuals. Like, uh, Shout out the Skyway Casuals. Yeah, Skyway Casuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like we're playing the Pittsburgh Riverhounds the first game at home. So, uh, or even worse, like USL. Atlanta United Two or something like that, or a two team. So yeah, yeah. So shouts out to the USL for giving us a proper home game. Uh, I, I'm not too familiar with the fair, but I hope the fair isn't happening during then because uh, I think we were all there for the disaster four years ago for the NASL home opener, but. Uh, yeah, so far so good. Uh, I'm excited for the rest of the schedule. Uh, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what the rest of the away travel is. But uh, uh, yeah, man, Rowdy's at home is is clutch. That uh, they definitely. I, I kind of was skept- a little bit skeptical at first when uh, Miami FC. Of course, we got the Ottawa slot. So I thought because they weren't technically coming into the league, they were going to give us some kind of preset schedule that they already set for uh, Ottawa. But uh, yeah. Route is at home. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, you know it, it when the the USL schedule. I believe last year was released the the end of twenty eighteen. Correct. And w- when the schedule was released this year, it hasn't even been released yet. When that was delayed, uh, a lot of people kind of perked their eyes, perked their ears up. I guess is what you would say. Perked their ears up and realized, wait a minute. Uh, maybe they're doing some rejiggering for Miami FC, and, and it does appear to be that way. To have your home opener against Tampa, like you said, Drew, that is a really nice bone to throw uh, for the club. And I did just look, and I did just realize, and, and it is going to be an interesting night because the 2020 Miami-Dade County Youth Fair and Exhibition opens on Thursday, March 12th. 
So it will be ah. the first Friday night of the youth fair. So uh, bring your patients with you. Get there nice and early. When you get out of school or work, head on over to FIU because it'll be fun. But there'll be a big crowd there, which is, it, it provides a unique uh, environment, I feel. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, so schedule is out. We know when Miami FC are playing. Something that was alluded to just a second ago that's worth mentioning is players. The Miami FC is still uh, kind of slow rolling its release of player retention and player acquisition. Um, we put out on Twitter uh, earlier today that we would be recording, and um, one of the questions that came in uh, came from uh, our friend Joel Delgado. Uh, one of the first things he asked was, how does the Romario Williams uh, Romario Williams stack up against former Miami AC strikers like uh, Stefano Pino or Poku? Romario Williams, one of the new names coming into the Miami FC side. Uh, let's talk about that, guys. How do you see a player like Romario Williams slotting in and playing with this style of play? It is a new manager, and you can expect some changes, but you would likely expect uh, not too much rocking of the boat. Go on, Drew. Yep. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were jumping in there. Yeah, on, no, uh, it, it's kind of huge that we're we're signing a forward first. Uh, kind of skeptical on what's going to happen to Mohamed Chow and a couple other uh, guys we had up in the potential front position. But I mean, to this guy's kind of the essential USL signing. Like he's he's always played at uh, the USL level. Uh, kind of went up and down between MLS. I think he's in potentially an MLS quality player, and it's kind of. Uh, they kind of kept on track of what Miami FC has always done, where it's kind of find these players that should be probably playing in a league higher, maybe doesn't get the time that they should deserve, and then uh, put them on our team and make them look like studs. Like, this guy's played for the Impact, uh, Atlanta United, Columbus Crew, and uh, assorted other USL teams. So I have high hopes for him. Uh, as far as to compare him to uh, former Miami FC legends, it's pretty tough, man. When you have Stefano, uh, Stefano Pino and uh, Poku, uh, hey man, let's see what uh, Romario Williams does in the U.S. Open Cup. Hopefully he will become the next legend of the club. If he can score against an MLS team and get us some victories against MLS teams, uh, then he'll be up there. But uh, as far as being a Miami FC fan, uh, it's pretty tough to, to make a comparison before seeing him play. And uh, I feel like Poku and Pino have some, uh, uh, some clout behind them. Guys, his name is literally Romario. We cannot lose <laughs> here. We cannot lose. Just look at his goal-scoring record. Like when you give, when he's been given a chance, he gets the ball in the back of the net. I tried to dig up YouTube. You can tell by my voice I'm excited, you know, because I used to be a striker as well, and I know a good striker when I see one. And I've seen highlights, and sometimes even the most average player can look like a world beater in highlights. He's not short of confidence. He's technical. He's got the physical attributes as well. He's internationally capped and has scored international goals. And he's come here to score goals. And I will say that I think that prophecy will be fulfilled. I am very, very, very excited about this guy. Um, I think Pino was that one player who was on a level, another level. I think Stefano Pino, and now he's, the, he's playing in China still, I think, and he's still scoring goals. That guy was, you know, he was a wonderful player to watch. I think Romario Williams gets close to him. You know, it's funny, Lee, you mentioned the idea of having a player named Romario, and we have uh, some history in Miami of a Romario joining a Miami FC. Uh, that Romario joined Miami FC in when 
it before they became the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Uh, when that Miami FC was in this USL um, many, many, many moons ago and actually saw that side to the USL playoffs. Um, and you can actually, if you search on YouTube, you can find video of uh, that Miami FC, the other Miami FC, uh, playing uh, Portland Timbers in Portland uh, back when both clubs were in the USL. And so it's an interesting, you know, uh, everything that's old is new again. Miami FC is in the USL. Uh, Romario is going to be lining up in the attack. Um, just a, an interesting little world we live in. Uh, in terms of what I think he's capable of, seems like an exciting player. From what I've been able to see from him, uh, it seems like he's got the the bona fides. He's got the the scoring ability, which is what you want because this club scores goals. That is more than anything else uh, in the last two years. They are experts at putting goals past opposition. Uh, the opposition is going to be harder. You need a higher quality of player uh, to keep up on that pace. And, and Miami FC will be uh, certainly looking uh, for players to slot in while keeping uh, a lot of the uh, – the spine of the club intact. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, signing. But yeah, to to, to elevate him to the the level of uh, Pino or Poku, that's going to take uh, Open Cup. That's really the only way to put it. you got <laughs> yeah. you, you got to score against MLS competition. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's a hard act to fill. I mean, a hat-trick against Orlando City, last-minute goal against Atlanta. Like, th- those are moments that get etched in the history of a club forever those are things that get talked about 10 20 30 years from now so it, it's not no pressure no you know no no uh, no pressure on Romario but um yeah, I, that's I gonna... think sorry to jump in there I think sure. we're being very very unfair to one guy and that guy is uh, Jaime Chavez and uh, Jaime Chavez is yes one of the leaders in both goals and assists for this club and what Jaime did was um he wasn't just a goal scorer he couldn't just put the ball in the back of the net and you've seen some of the goals that he scored, and who can forget the goal he scored against Tampa Bay Rowdies, which yes. um, which went around the world. You know, he did very well, like dropping deep. You know, making chances for other players, and um, and, I, and I see enough about Romario Williams to have the attributes to uh, perform that role as well. As you know, sometimes you know we like to attack down the flanks. Um, you know, we have attacking midfielders that like get to get forward. So that part of his game as well. Could be a good one. I think you. I would think he's going to be a good one. For sure. Um, so uh, Romario in back for the club in 2020 includes Mark Pace, uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey, Harrison Heath, Lloyd Sam. Uh, to me, those are four big names. We, we've seen from the club before. Uh, they tend not to do these kind of one-day news dumps where just, hey, everyone's back, or these are the players who are back. They tend to slow roll, roll it a little bit. Um and uh, but those are four to me four big names that the club is saying they they want some stability particularly at the back even though they are elevating their their level of play uh, in terms of facing a different division with different qualities of players um, they feel confident in a lot of the players that they have under contract um, to, to me guys who do you think uh, jumps out to you as the most important uh, returning name um, again. Obviously, the club is looking at them and seeing they're all important in their own way. But to you, what's the name jumps out? Is like, oh, that's that's a very interesting name that that's being uh, retained. Uh, just just kind of a weird one. I'm I'm probably going to say Harrison Heath because uh, we didn't see a lot of him last year because of uh, an injury he got, and then he came back I think in the postseason and played a little bit of uh, Nisa. 
So I'm kind of intrigued to see what he could do because I believe he was on the Orlando team. So uh, he's kind of, out of those three, uh, he probably was the one who played the least. So I I kind of have a a question mark over his head, but I I kind of wanted to see what he could do last year. So uh, I I believe he can fill in a quality role in a USL roster. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm happy they brought him back, but uh, you know, just one of the huge ones is just getting Lloyd Sam back. And uh, I think I joked around in our chat earlier that we should just let him recruit players for the team. But uh, having a big name, <laughs> having a big name like that, who used to play, you know, uh, championship and uh, MLS, also uh, he definitely could bring players in, and he's always a good tool. And I'm intrigued to see kind of where he plays because, you know, last year he kind of floated around different positions, played uh, defense for a while. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how the new coach uses him, where, where they slot him at. So uh, it'll be a fun year with, with those four signings. And Mark is a great keeper. Uh, we definitely have a great backup. And I hope Lionel Brown comes back for the, the fifth year. <laughs> I think it's a requirement. Yeah. I, I, I think it's absolutely, uh, you know, uh, should should be first priority uh, there. But I, that's an interesting point. You're right, Drew, that Heath got more run the further the year went on. Um, but, um, but, yeah, didn't make a, a huge number of appearances. But obviously uh, there is a, a vote of confidence there. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Lloyd Sound first. And um, he will consistently get listed as a forward but I think we all know that that he's probably not going to be playing in that position Uh, he looked really effective down the left um, playing as an attacking fullback and I think that's probably where he's going to end up I do agree with Drew really that I think Harrison Heath is is possibly the one that I'm most happy about of those four I mean obviously I'm happy about all four Mark is a, is a great keeper. He's like, he's a big fella. Like when you stand next to that guy, and I'm a big guy. <laughs> um, when you stand next to that guy, like he's huge and he commands that area so well. You know, he's a good shot stopper, but that command of the back line is very, uh, very useful. And he's good with his distribution. He'll be pushed by uh, Brian, the keeper, who I know is staying on. And I'm sure uh, Lionel Brown will be there as um, third backup and, and goalkeeping coach. But Matt, me and you, we were calling that um, that Nisa East Showcase final, and I went for Harrison Heath for my man of the match. Yes, he didn't put a foot wrong in that game, and you can talk about the quality of the opposition. And Stumptown had a bit of an off day, you know, in their short history. Uh, but he's he brings a little bit of professional experience. He's been through like an academy and everything in the system back in England. Um, and then, yeah, Jalen Markey had an unlucky um, 2019. You know, he got injured, then he had to cover at left back before that when um, when Baggio went down. Um, but when I think our first choice back four, if I'm honest, was Lloyd Sam left back, Markey and Griffiths in the centre, and um, Brian James at right back. That that back four was pretty formidable, admittedly at MPSL level. Um, I'm happy to see Markey get a, get a second go. There's something about that guy that I like a lot, and I think his best position is the centre of defence. And Markey and Griffiths, I see some parallels with Mason Trafford and uh, Rhett Bernstein. Griffiths is great on the ball. Um, it's a different makeup. Griffith, Griffiths is great with the ball. 
and and Marquis is maybe a bit better, a bit quicker, bit, moves around a bit better, more of a sweeper, and Griffiths is your stopper in your outlet. Yeah, those two together, maybe that's the first choice centre back pairing. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 excited about it. But yeah, Harrison Heath, I'm I'm really happy to see him back. Great guy as well. Yeah, I think that that's the, keeping Heath. Uh, again, in interesting in in the very best way uh, decision for uh, for Miami FC, and yeah, bringing back uh, so so much of the that kind of backline that, as you mentioned, with Lloyd Sam would get a little adventurous at times and, and advance forward um, down the flanks. Uh, clearly, they're they're they are, are looking to add up front, but at the same time reinforce at the back which is probably a pretty damn good strategy. Um, so the Miami FC, again, kicking off uh, in early March, home opener on Friday the 13th uh, against Tampa Bay Rowdies. That should be a really fun night, a fun return to Ricardo Silva for USL soccer. Speaking of USL, a uh, question we got asked uh, on Twitter uh, from, pardon me, at uh, rivercity 93 uh, up there in Richmond. Uh, question about Inter uh, Miami's USL One side, uh, which on the USL One website is currently listed as League One Miami, uh, with a little <laughs> US One logo on it. Uh, there has not been a name. There has not been a brand. As inspiring as Elite jerseys. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, the question there: what What can we expect uh, for Inter Miami Two in USL One? Will they compete, or will they just be the doormat of League One? Um, Shoulder shrug. Um, the the thing that's interesting to me is, uh, and again, we'll see if this bears out. But when this Lockhart redevelopment was announced, um, one of the things that was committed to by the club was a Fort Lauderdale US one side that would be branded as a Fort Lauderdale US one side. It would not be Inter Miami two. So that is one thing I would expect. Can expectations change? Of course. Uh, but I would expect that this not be Inter-Miami 2, that this is some sort of Fort Lauderdale-branded side. Um, but beyond that, to be quite honest, I, I, I know it's not necessarily satisfying as an answer, but I don't know, uh, <laughs> especially because the club is just starting this year uh, in MLS I think they've got a lot on their plate, and I would not be surprised if uh, that Fort Lauderdale side, especially this year, is, I don't want to say forgotten about or an afterthought, but not the primary focus of, of what management is really working on. It's just common sense. You know, New England Revolution took them 25 years to, to get that New England Revolution 2 side up and running. Inter-Miami is launching two clubs at the same time. It's a big ask. Um, reserve sides tend not to fare uh, all, all that well generally unless they really are an area of focus in USL. So, uh, again, unsatisfying. Sorry to the folks up there in River City, up there in Richmond. Um, but, yeah, I, I would not expect too, too much. I'm going to go the opposite way, and I, I don't think there'll be pushovers in that league. I don't think there'll be pushovers in USL League One. Uh I think now there's a little, like you said, the New England Revolution, but I think now there's a little bit more focus on the, the B teams, uh, especially since kind of they, they have their own Division Three now. 
And the other thing too is with all the international players that uh, Miami inner inner Miami have signed, there might be a little bit of wiggle room to move guys up and down. There's a lot of younger international talent that may not be accustomed to the MLS, so there is a bit of a decent wiggle room where you know maybe this guy doesn't you know this 19 year old center back from Argentina or Uruguay doesn't work out or whatever. There may be a little bit of wiggle room to move him down to the the league one side, have them test out there, get kind of used to the system and move them back up. So I think there's kind of a good opportunity to push players up and down. Uh, I think maybe in the past we've kind of seen it uh, for all my uh, PC, AKA Victor Guerrero fans. Uh, hmm. When he played at Orlando city, he kind of was going up and down between the two leagues where they'd call him up, send him back down, call him up, send him down, which could be a good thing for this team. Uh, you know, just based off, off their signings, uh, you know the 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 roster isn't completely MLS experience, so it could work out to their advantage. And if they end up just signing a bunch of local guys, I think as we've seen with every Miami soccer team, <laughs> we're a competitive city, and there's a lot yeah. of hidden talent here. Where you know we could start pulling uh we could start pulling stars out the junkyard, not to call it a junkyard, but you know what I'm saying? Like sure, yeah, we you could randomly just pull out MLS's next superstar out of uh, your backyard, so. I kind of have high expectations for them, but uh, you know, it's it's up to the club and how they how they pick players out. They obviously have youth academies now, but all those kids are like 14 and 16, so realistically, I don't think any any of those people will be eligible. But uh, I, I think if they take it a little bit seriously, I, I you know I don't think they'll win the league, but I think definitely there is an easy way for them to be competitive, and I don't think they're just going to be a, like a pushover team. Uh, no insults to Atlanta United too. Huh. Yeah, it's it's such a it's a small league, isn't it? USL League One, and I don't know. I think the best thing about it might be that the teams have to come down to contend with the South Florida weather in the middle of summer, and uh, that might be a shock for Omaha, Madison, Toronto, Rochester, and New England, uh, especially after last year. Where really, you mean? I guess Orlando is pretty similar. Were, were Orlando USL League One last year, or did they drop? Do you guys know? They dropped down, I believe. Okay. Um, Orlando City B, yeah, they were there in 2019. Yeah, so you know, I think geography is an advantage. Um, but I, I'm not sure about the branding. To go to Matt's point, I think that uh, Inter Miami might buy themselves a little bit of time. Like, well, we'll we will work on this permanent branding once the team has moved down to Miami, if and when that happens. So, but in terms of competitiveness, these guys are going to want to like stake their claim. You know, what have they got on the book in Miami? Like five goalkeepers, four goalkeepers. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely something to pl- something to play for for these uh, for these uh, B team players. So yeah, I think there'll be a tough side to beat. And I will say, I do want to kind of correct something I realized, like kind of as soon as it came out of my mouth, that I'm a little bit. Uh, not mistaken, but I'm just kind of mixing things up. I was not factoring in the I, when I'm thinking of those reserves teams struggling. Uh, I was thinking more before this stratification of USL back when there was just kind of the one USL, and a lot of the reserve sides were just pushovers, and then like New York Red Bull two and the Los Angeles Galaxy two were really competitive. But now that I mean, more pretty much half the league is some sort of affiliate uh, as we look at USL League One. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it, it. It's a good point you guys bring up. 
perhaps they'll be more competitive. I do. I will say I think that branding and then rebranding in two years or whenever uh, w- would be a bit of a dangerous game for the uh, for the Fort Lauderdale fan base that you're hoping to attract, uh, which may not be that large to begin with. We don't know. But um, I think they're probably going to want to pick something and stick with it, uh, and and kind of vacillating. Just you know, Inter Miami two might be. Matt, Matt, uh, can, can I can I ask you a question there? Sure. Why would you brand the B team as something Fort Lauderdale when you're selling this whole thing as South Florida's franchise, and you want people from Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, and whatever to come in? That's what that that's what I'm thinking is that why give them another team? It doesn't make no sense. Well, but I think the idea that they're trying to make this a South Florida brand, like a South Florida, how do I put this? Yeah, if if you if you differentiate it, then it it, it, it potentially weakens the idea of Inter Miami covering everyone. But it, it, this was something that has been on the record as kind of a selling point for this whole plan, and I think it's a bone to throw uh, towards this segment of the Fort Lauderdale population that wants something that is their own. And we know the soccer community down here, that is a big thing. And no, it may not be enough and it may not matter. And ultimately, Inter-Miami may not care because it's a reserve side. But I think it is it is worth something that – I think it, it – I mean, if anything, it just would sell merch in Fort Lauderdale where you might have people who live in Fort Lauderdale but don't want to buy Fair stuff point. that says Miami Fair on point. it. All right, so here's um, the terrible question. Do you think – they would purchase the rights, if possible, oh, from oh. Bill Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> I already hear Lee grumbling for the strikers, and then rename them as that. Uh, short answer is I think no. No yeah. chance. Uh, I'm uh, in the same boat. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if if Edwards would be interested in selling. I mean, I'm sure there's a price, but I don't know if he'd be interested in selling. I don't know if they'd be interested in buying. I think they want to, to which is ironic because they're going to be playing it Lockhart, but I think they want to, as much as possible, leave the past in the past and kind of build onto a new future, and that would kind of really go against that spirit. But you, you've, you've ripped down the stadium, you've denied FXC football the chance to come back and do that if they wanted to do. Why then would you go and get the four Leatherdale strikers, Dame? Never going to happen. Right. Yeah, I, I would not. I would be quite surprised. Um, so the moment uh, of silence there for the yeah, yeah. strikers. Pour out your forty <laughs> ounce of beer for yeah. Pour one out. Um, so, uh, gentlemen, uh, I think we've kind of covered everything on the docket for this week. Is there anything else that we want to throw in? Yes, there is. Lee, but UPSL is reaching Woo! crunch time. Oh yes, of course. Especially in South Florida, great lineup of games this weekend. Fantastic lineup of games. In the Florida Division One South playoffs, we are having playoffs to decide the actual overall champion. Saturday, the 11th of January, Doral Meadow Park, which is a lovely venue. Miami Sun versus Red Force FC for a place in the final. 6:30 p.m. kickoff at Doral Meadow Park. I saw those two teams play at the very start of the season. Banging match. Red Force versus Miami Sun. You cannot miss it. I am working that day. I'm going to work on a race down there, down the Dolphin, down the Turnpike, and get to Doral Meadow Park. Don't miss it. The winner of that game will play 
the winner of Florida Soccer Soldiers and uh, Port St. Lucie United SC who play at 1pm Sunday the 12th Orange Bowl Field. Both those games totally free to watch. Get down, support some local soccer, but sorry guys, my hand on my heart, the pick of those games is Miami Sun versus Red Force. That's going to be a banger. <laughs> and then yeah. there'll be a final. And I can officially, I've danced around it. Um, the, the UPSL national playoffs will be in Miami uh, in February. I think the 8th and the 9th, if that's the weekend of February. So uh, yeah, the winner of this whole little tournament will play the best one around the country. So don't miss that this weekend. 8th and 9th is a weekend, Lee. That sounds right on the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, UPSL, absolutely. Always a good time. Always a good, if you're interested in the grassroots um, of soccer in this country, they're they're doing a lot of interesting things. They're they're very forward thinking in terms of, of organization and all that. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, last call, going once, going twice, sold. Uh, so uh, as always, uh, we will remind you follow us on Twitter at Magic City Soccer, Magic City Soccer on Facebook, Magic City Sock S O C at the end. On Instagram, Lee does a lot of great stuff with Graham. Uh, I'm an old man, so I can't figure it out. So I stick with Twitter. I'm older than um, you, you donut. Well, <laughs> yeah, but you're younger at heart. Lee. You're <laughs> at heart. Um, so check us out there. Always a lot of stuff cooking there, and, and of course, uh, Magic City Dot Soccer, our website. Uh, check out content and all kinds of sorted things there. Uh, the plan going into 2020, our New Year's resolution. Uh, is to record uh, at least once every other week. We're going to get back on the the podcast train this year. And so if you have questions, comments, things you want to contribute, add us on Twitter uh, or or comment on a post on Facebook and we'll include it. Uh, So you can expect uh, our next episode to drop again in about two weeks' time unless some sort of emergency crops up before then. But until then, uh, gentlemen, again, thank you, Lee. Thank you very much. Happy uh, Russian Orthodox Christmas again to everyone out there. Very good. Uh, uh, Drew Hausman, thank you very much, buddy. Cool, man. Thanks, guys. Uh, check out my side hustle. You can find me on Instagram. It's Magic City Sock, spelled Magic City S-O-C-K. We spell we sell Miami-themed socks. <laughs> That's a great business idea. Yeah, we yes. should get on that. We need to open that account up before we, we put this episode out. <laughs> We're uh, not so live. Let's get on that. Yes, live to tape, live to tape. Um, so yeah, for Lee and Drew, I've been Matthew Bunch. As always, thank you for listening. And until next time, go Inter Miami and Inter Miami USL League One side and Miami FC and UPSL and Miami soccer. Go Red Force. <laughs>